Hello and welcome to the Life Day Live podcast. I'm the host, Nina, and today I'm having a conversation with Monica, a tea grower based in Scotland and Perthshire. She looks after 24 acres of land with a special interest in tea growing with biodiversity in mind. Her tea grows among many native broadleaf trees and wildflowers. She believes that a biodiverse growing space will hopefully give some protection in the face of climate space. From the plant Camellia sinensis, she makes black tea and aged tea cakes. During the growing season, Monica offers tea days and tea tours. She also teaches new growers. In the episode, Monica actually explains what are the challenges that tea growers in Europe can experience. But more generally, she will explain what it means to process tea and what are the different types of tea that you can find. Apart from the more technical aspects of tea, Monica will also address the health and social benefits of tea. She will explain, for example, how tea consumption can help reduce stress. So if you want to know more about the benefits of tea, then you are at the right place. You can contact Monica via Instagram. Her account is windyholofarm underscore or via email. Her email is monica at windyholofarm.co.uk. So hello, Monica, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well today. Hello, Nina. It's so nice to see you. I'm very well today. Thank you. I'm very happy to be doing this episode with you. And you're also a podcaster. So that's the first for me, actually, to do an episode with a podcaster. So I'm very (laughs) excited. And we're going to talk also about a topic that I've never mentioned in this podcast. So could you just introduce yourself and tell us what we're going to talk about today? Yes, what shall I say about me? Um, I'm Monica, I live in Scotland, I'm a tea grower, that's the Camellia sinensis kind, Um, I'm a tea processor, Um, I look after about 24 acres of uh, land here, and um, I'm very, very interested in biodiversity growing, and I'm interested in kind of thinking about how best to grow tea in the future in the face of climate change. Um, so, so yes, and this year, um, I'm very honored to lead the organization that is the European Tea Growers as well, because that's also very interesting that it's um, there are quite a few lovely tea growing projects in Scotland and across the UK, but it's it seems to be like a movement across Europe, which is very very interesting. And and so I'm I'm leading that this year, which is which is which I do with much joy and interest. So yeah, that's great. I can imagine that it's very interesting and I just want to apologize also for the helicopter passing by but we're definitely going to talk about the environment in this in this episode just before we start um, talking about these issues can you just explain to us what it means to be a tea grower so it's quite a simple question but I think it would be good to start with that yes well a tea grower is um someone who's interested in producing tea and the Camellia sinensis plant is one of the most amazing plants 
in the world really um, out of so many amazing plants but it's amazing because it gives us when we process it when we use this plant um, and after harvesting and when we put it through different processing it gives us wonderful um, flavor profiles and aromas that are really really amazing and you can make so many different teas from it so for example the same plant can make a white tea can make green tea can make black tea can make partially oxidized teas can make oolong teas can make kind of more stored a more preserved um tea cakes that are uh, stored for many, many years. And some famous ones are Puea teas from China um, that sometimes you get them. I had one that was um, stored since the 1940s and it's just, oh, it was the most <laughs> delicious drink. But yes, yeah, so, so, so that, that, that plant is at the center really of my work. So a tea grower looks after uh, tea plants um, has a growing space that could be really in many places across the world, but then also will process the tea and will choose what tea um, we make with that. So often tea growers specialize maybe in one or two. So in, for example, in Taiwan, um, it's very, very typical. The majority of tea growers will make beautiful oolong teas. Um, in Japan, we get so many different beautiful green teas that normally go through a more esteemed kind of processing method. Um, Korea makes more uh, kind of pan-fried road green, green teas. So, so yes, um, a, a tea grower is, is basically someone who is hugely interested in tea and grows tea and processes tea and then of course sells tea and offers that that tea and there's also there's of course there's more small scale so I'm more small scale handcrafted tea more smaller quantity but more um uh well as high quality as as as, mm -hmm. as, as I can make make that um, and then there's also on the other end of the extreme is more the kind of mass produced tea that you get in the tea bag. It comes from the same plant, but it's processed totally, totally differently. So yeah. that's yeah. Maybe... It's like two different words now, right? Between uh, these type of companies that uh, produce a lot of tea and more um, yeah, small scale tea growers. I can imagine that it's a totally different... Uh, universe actually mm -hmm. it yeah. is definitely maybe with many other products the same you know yeah. you get more the mass produced side and the more the more the kind of handcrafted artisan type of tea of, of maker so yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's true and uh but i think maybe for some other products it's more um i don't know if we could say more normalized to buy them from like smaller scale farms if I have to think for example me I'm, I'm French and it's very common for French people you know to buy cheese uh, from like more local uh, market rather than in supermarket but with tea um, maybe it's less common to I don't know go to um, like um, not a big company you know 
Yeah. That's true. That's true. But there's quite a bit of change, Nina. I mean, that's true. I mean, when we say tea, often many people still say tea and actually also mean herbal infusions. Mm -hmm. And I do do some herbal infusions, the beautiful chamomile. And I love the Matricaria recutita, the annual chamomile, which gives us beautiful um, herbal infusions. Um, but when when I refer to tea, really, then I mean I mean products that are made from the Camellia sinensis plant. And I guess I guess we're not so used to as consumers to just pop in the shop and get that. Um, more handcrafted because it, the the makers that make it handcrafted um, traditionally, you know, in China, there's many in China and in other traditional tea, tea countries, um, it would just be sold there locally. It wouldn't really reach Europe. Mm -hmm. So before this movement started with growing tea here in Europe, it it was it it was very rare to get any any handcrafted tea you know over here. Um, it was more it's more like buying you know much larger larger quantities. Um, so so yeah that that's 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 the reason why. But it will as as those projects mature a little bit across Europe because it takes for a tea garden. I get like five, even 10 years for the plants to mature in a way where you can harvest, where you have enough yield. Um, as they mature, we will see it more and more in, in, in shops as well, which, which will be really, really nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, like you say, it's nice that it's changing and that now we can also grow tea in Europe. I mean, I don't know if also climate change plays a role. So I don't know to what extent uh, maybe, um, yeah, environmental issues, you know, also impact how um, now we can produce certain products in places that before we were not able to. So I don't know if that plays a role also with tea actually, or would you say so? It's true. I, I don't know if that's the main reason why people take it up in Europe. I do know that in Europe, farmers and growers have over the last 10 years thought a bit more about alternative crops. I think mm -hmm. that is the case. And maybe some have uh, reached or come across the, the, the tea plant and, and have considered that. Um, I think climate is definitely changing across Europe and, and also in traditional tea growing countries like in Taiwan, for example, you see that um, where, whereas in, in early, so the first flush is the first growth, the first new leaves in springtime after the winter months. And the first flush in Taiwan, normally you could have just, you, they used to put it in the diary and it would be that day. It would be so reliable. Okay, that's, that's the day or that's the week when we get that. And now that's not happening anymore. The last few years, so climate change has we've has introduced unpredictability with with tea growing as well, which is a huge challenge in some traditional tea growing countries because, you know, because um, 
if you have like let's say you have harvest you have pluckers coming imagine you have 10 or 20 people coming normally in that week it's all scheduled but then you maybe have a late frost or you have lots of rain or you have unpredictable weather patterns and um and that that really is very challenging so that's an example in taiwan but in in europe yeah i mean i feel like there is more more of a summer here i guess the temperatures are rising um but even within europe our weather and temperatures vary quite a bit and my tea growing friends in um in france could have like different have very different challenges to me like for example they have they could have it quite dry because the camellia sinensis plant even though it likes a bit of warmth to grow it also likes humidity so if you have a long drier period you've got to also think about okay how do i how do i create uh maybe microclimates that's also my interest if you introduce kind of reintroduce more trees you hold moisture in within a small area as well so these are the things maybe we could consider when we think about growing in the face of climate change just okay if i have a very if i have a likelihood of drought every summer at least if i have some suitable trees the humidity and the rain that i do get is a little bit more trapped or is is a little bit more you know contained within that area so things like that um so i don't know if that answers your question i don't think that climate change is just purely the main reason why people are considering it but maybe maybe some do i mean there now at least about 50 projects tea growing projects across Europe so that's quite a lot and probably people have a variety of reasons for trying it out as well. Yeah I would say it's probably several factors that impacted and not just just one of course um, but I wanted to talk also a bit about being a grower in Europe because I saw that you mentioned on your website website sorry that you know growing tea uh, from seed in a cold climate can be challenging and require a lot of patience so I saw that you actually offer courses for tea growers in Europe if I'm not mistaken can you I tell do. us can you tell us maybe what are the main areas for learning how to grow tea in in Europe and I mean of course you teach probably a lot of things in these courses but what are the the main um yeah areas that you like to focus on in your in your teaching oh um well if you come totally new to tea but you're interested in the plant you, you have a growing space then there are quite a few things to consider when you start so you have to consider for example okay do you want to grow from seed or cuttings that's just one so seed seedling plants will give you a totally different root system cuttings are a little bit more shallow root system seedling plants give you a real big tap root as well which is possibly more suitable if you have more frosty winters because if then something if you have a deep frost you're not necessarily losing the plant you see but if it's a cutting and you have a shallow root system mm -hmm. it gets all a bit geeky now sorry but <laughs> so, so basically that's one thing to consider the also we talk a lot about hand holding in the first five years when 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 tea plants are young 
and um, and you do grow in a more colder climate, um, then then there's there is quite a bit of hand holding. So, for example, you need to consider animals that may nibble on your young plants. You need to consider rabbits, wolves, mice. So if you were if you were to put seeds directly into the ground, maybe the mice and if you have squirrels nearby, they, they would maybe just nibble nibble on them. And, and then you would have nothing left. So you have to learn to possibly start your plants somewhere in a in a in a protected area and then plant them out. You have to then decide, you know, the spacing between plants. You have to think about if you have very windy conditions in the winter, for example, how do you plan your kind of wind protection? Do you want, are you interested in very natural look and what plants would you maybe choose? How do you do the first winter protection? What materials do you use, you know, for the first few frosts until your plant is maybe a bit more hardy? How do you, then also considering things like where would you have a little, your first little processing space, you know, a little kind of maybe a wooden structure or somewhere where you can um, uh, do your first uh, experiments that shouldn't be too far away. Also, if you're later on interested in having visitors and enjoying tea with them, it's quite important right from the start to visualize your space and think about, okay, I'm standing here, there's nothing there just yet, but how would I like to do that? Where would I like to sit with my guests and we enjoy some nice tea? You know, look into the future because that because with that in mind, you will have to do your do your planting plan as well. Where the, because 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 tea is perennial and in a way you have to see it like a tree. So because tea is 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 a long, very long living plant, and you're not going to shift it around. It's not like an annual crop. So so wherever you put it will be its final place. Well, it's gonna it's gonna last much longer than 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 all of us. So we'll pop before the tea plant. But anyway, that so 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 that's all to be decided. Um, so there are quite a lot of things to consider right at the beginning, and people may be interested in. How do I nourish my plants if I don't want to use artificial fertilizer? Someone's interested in chemical-free growing, in uh, you know organic growing, biodynamic growing. These these forms. So we talk about that as well, and we talk about other unexpected things. If you want to be a good tea grower and tea maker, you have to consider your own palate as well over time. It's like being a really really high-end chef. Well, I don't know how they train their palate. It would be lovely to talk to someone who does that, but I imagine that they want to want to have a palate that allows them to really understand the nuances of food, the nuances of taste and flavor profile. And that's super in, super important with tea because some of the finest teas, like you would get like this this tea that I'm drinking here is from Portugal. A, a lovely lady makes white tea, Clara. And I get a, a beautiful um note of pear in this in this in this tea. And then when you make your own, when you process your own, you you of course you of course need to understand, need to be able to 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 taste the very tiny nuances of of um of the flavor flavor profile. Yeah. 
so we talk about all of that in in um in 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 the course in the in the teaching so it's really like a, a all-round you know kind of starter kit all the things you need to consider to start off and actually one thing just maybe to mention is you need to also consider how much time you have because it's not a crop that you can pop down I walk away and I come back in five years time mm -hmm. when you're ready it needs a lot of time so people sometimes say oh this sounds really good I would love to do it but I don't have it. I have to be realistic and after this course, after this, you know, I can I realize that I won't have enough time in the next couple of years and I have to maybe postpone it. So a course like that helps people as well, just to realize if it's doable, if it's achievable for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very interesting, actually. I mean, I'm not a tea grower myself, but I would be happy to even uh, listen to one of these courses because it seems like you learn a lot and like you said about various aspects, not just about what it's like to um, grow your tea, but you talked about the social aspect that we will mention also a bit later, where to place your trees, uh, how to um, develop a taste for um, the, the, the type of tea that you want to make. So I wanted to talk also about that quickly about what you mentioned, you know, uh, really thinking about the taste that you want your tea to have and developing a palate because that refers back to tea processing but we still haven't really mentioned what is tea processing so could you just explain what what that means yes tea processing well we talked earlier about all the different main types of tea that you can make um so this tea for example is is white tea that i'm drinking just now and in a way, white tea is a perfect example. So white tea is on the face of it has very simple processing. So all you do is you let it rest, but how, how you tease out beautiful flavor profiles is maybe what, what conditions you put it in under resting. So, so for example, the temperature, for example, if you put it a little bit like half an hour in the sun, what about the air movement, um, you know? And so, so, so these, these nuances are, are really, really important. Um, but but let's, let's pick, for example, green tea. Um, so in Japan, you have a method of steaming green tea. So you, you, so you harvest and then um, you, you kill the oxid oxidation process. So oxidation processes, when your plant material, when your leaves interact with the oxygen in the air, with the air. So to kill that process, that chemical process to stop it basically is to apply heat. And in Japan, you apply um, heat by steaming. And that's why you get a particular, you know, um, flavor profile from uh, Japanese tea. And it's, it's really, really, I mean, they're, they're wonderful experts of, of making that type of tea and it's beautiful. And, um, and, and then in China, some areas, so there are many different ways in China. Of course, China is huge and has so many different tea makers, so many different local tea making traditions. But let's say it's, all, it's more likely that in China, 
you get a tea maker who will pan fry it. So the, the heat that, we've, that I've referred to already that you need to apply to kill that chemical process would be done by pan frying. You get beautiful, for example, long jing tea in China where you have a, a, a pan frying equipment and it's pressed down. Your hands are used sometimes over quite a long period of time and um, until, until you know, the, the, the tea is ready. It, but even how hot it is, so if it's traditionally the, the heat is applied with wood, but now you can also use gas equipment, but the flavor profile you get out of it could can depend and is linked to maybe the length of pan frying, um, the heat that you apply, then in between you could possibly take the plant material out and roll it and put it back in and do more pan frying. So these different these different nuances of what you do with 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 your plant material with the tea leaves um, will will then give you a different tea at the end, and that's the fascinating thing, um, you know. And that's where the skill of the tea maker comes in, because um, often they have in their head, okay, roughly what what is it that I want to achieve today with these leaves? How do I want to work with them to to reach, you know, to have have a have a beautiful outcome for with my tea so so that gives you a little bit of an example but all these different types so the white tea the black tea again would be very different pues that are stored for a long period of time very different again and so so yeah it's it's um it's hugely hugely interesting i think that's why i'm fascinated by it because oh by the way the background noise is my doggy <laughs> um but one of the things that is absolutely beautiful about this is that a tea maker is like an art. There's a bit of an artist in us because we are creating. There's a creative process, but at the same time, we're trying to also understand it in a scientific way. So, so it's where art and science comes, come together. And I think that's also hugely, hugely fascinating, really fascinating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're explanation does help to you know understand what it means to process tea but I also can understand that it's a very complex well process because like you said there are many different types of tea so to go over all of them and how to process all of them would take a, a very long time but like you said I, I find it very interesting to see how art and science can be combined because it's not just about processing or growing the tea but it's also about finding the right combinations and like you said having an outcome in mind and reaching that goal and that might be a bit naive but to be completely honest it's true that I never really thought about tea that way you know I just thought okay you know we grow our tea and then then I don't really know what happens but then it ends up here at the supermarket or in 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 yeah, in my house but I never really thought about that whole tea processing aspect and I think it's really interesting to have this conversation today also for the people like me who don't really have a clear idea of what it what it means to process process tea so I'm happy that you you explained it and um, and yeah I think I think it's very fascinating to know more about it thank you oh I'm pleased that you find it interesting Nina um Yes, I'm very pleased. Do you drink a lot of tea, Nina? 
Yes, I, I do. But to be honest, I don't drink a lot of tea that comes from, you know, local, uh, small scale mm-hmm. places. So I definitely want to do that more now. <laughs> it's true that I'm going to see tea differently after after this episode and really think about it more and try to change the way I consume it because I do think it's much more interesting to buy tea from growers like you, for example, that put so much thought into it. Yes, and maybe in the future, Nina, do you think you'll you'll look out for stuff like that you know next time you visit mm-hmm. like a bigger city or a smaller city and you and you come across a tea house or this or that you may be thinking of this and think oh gosh I wonder what I want to try maybe I pop in and see see what it's all about yeah no but that's for sure I mean that's also why I love doing this podcast is that it also affects me you know the conversations I have and it changes also my way of thinking of how or of how I see the world. So definitely now. I mean, what I've been doing more and more, I forgot the English word for this. I forgot the English word. You know, instead of buying tea uh, in bags, when you buy it, like, how do you, how do you say leaf? that? Loose leaf? You're going from more for loose leaves? Yeah, more for loose leaves, yeah. Or not that is already in a, in a packet, but in that a, you can, yeah. In a tea bag, you mean not that... It, not in a tea bag. Yeah, not in a, not in a tea bag, but that. Um... Yeah, we see uh, loose loose leaf tea as opposed to so there's tea bag tea and then there's loose leaf tea and and where you use a, a pot or yeah 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 okay yeah yeah so that's what I meant loose leaf tea so I've been doing that more instead of buying my 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 tea at the at the supermarket going to I'm trying now to go more to stores that are specified or specialized sorry. In, in tea and buying my tea like that but the next step now would be to actually um, go to a more local market or I don't know actually where do, where do you st- sell your your tea for example is it like online or do you in your community yes it is probably pe- people people kind of tend to just get in touch with me um, because I'm I'm in the first like let's say this is year six um so over the last few years I actually didn't have a lot of volume Mm -hmm. so um so it's just sold out right away basically because the volumes are quite the amount is quite small so um but as as that as that increases just because my plants are more uh, mature um uh, there, there are a few places, mainly across Europe, um, some tea houses that that um, that um, I work with, and 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 you can get my teas there. So, mm-hmm. but also directly from me still. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, I would... it's 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 like um, it is more. Nina is at the moment. Mm-hmm. It is more of um. Uh, let's see it tends to be very attractive to to tea geeks I call them tea geeks I'm a tea geek as well so in the across the world it's a bit like um you know any specialized kind of product where you get a number of people across the world who are just interested in that so there's there's an interest in single estate um kind of more handcrafted teas high high quality teas 
and and people people like to buy them and 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 sometimes they buy them in quite small quantities they can be a bit expensive but um but you don't you only need for a good tea session you need about you know five grams or so Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's it's very sweet you even get groups of people who um you maybe even order some tea together or share some tea together yeah. and, and then try it out in the group as, as friends, you know, tea tasting circles. And it's, it's, it's really, it's really quite fun. Um, so yeah, those are the, those tend to be the people. So when I say single estate, I mean, you know, um, those tea geeks, those tea people are interested in uh, maybe buying a tea where they know exactly where it has grown and where it has been yeah. made. And it's like from this one place, it's not blended. It's not like um, you get like breakfast teas. I mean, you can get wonderful breakfast teas, but normally they're all blends. Mm-hmm. Um, so single estate tea is a bit like, like anything single estate, like wine or so, but it's from when you, when you hear the uh, location of, of the wine or of the tea, you know that it has actually grown there. It's not blended with anything. It's, it's made there and that's the place where it originates and that's the yeah. soil that it comes from. Yeah, so, that, that's, why, that's why I asked you the question, where do you sell your tea? Because I actually mm-hmm. have no idea where I could buy, you know, a, like you said, single estate tea that's uh, handcrafted. Um, that's why I asked the question, because if you're not a tea geek like you said i'm wondering how we one could be you know initiated to buy more handcrafted tea yeah yes introduced it i think yeah i think that's it's a tricky one i think certainly if you come across one maker you tend to then find out about other makers i Mm -hmm. think um and that's how i've no some people come across maybe some makers in social media and maybe they start to be interested in that and once they've done one or two tea tastings and some people get quite hooked on that and and you get hooked on because it's it is a special plant it's a special drink but it's it's also so versatile like you can drink it hot you can drink it like in london in london for example i love that not just in london but in in some cities that are really hot in the summertime you get you get cold brew people make cold brews you know out of the same drink or um, i don't know even cocktails and things like that so you can you can make a lot there's also food there's also some wonderful work now with with more higher end restaurants with lovely restaurants where um they talk a lot about food pairing and you know how what teas may go with certain foods and it's it is perfect for people who who want to avoid alcohol or don't or or sometimes you know have want an alternative to alcohol as well it's Mm -hmm. perfect as well when a restaurant actually has a menu for tea or you know suggestions of what non-alcoholic drink you could you can enjoy with your food so these are just um examples but I also love love tea because 
I can have it, enjoy it in my own life as an individual, just by myself. And yeah. I can be a very beautifully kind of calming and, and special time in my day, it can be reflective, can be energizing. Um, mm -hmm. But also, it's also a social drink, you know, like we've mentioned before, you can very much enjoy it with friends and yeah. with a lot of respect as well. Like when, when I, how I was introduced to this was in Taiwan, actually, I always remember the first time I entered this, this lovely family's house and they would literally sit, the tea maker would sit on one side, if often it's a bigger table. And on the other side or around the table would be visitors or people who are there visiting the family. And then the person would make, make the tea for all of them and we would chat about the tea and we'd look at the leaves, we would smell its aroma before it's even brewed, we would be quite geeky looking at the tea leaves and looking at the color variations and and so so yeah it's but it's so welcoming and, and so respectful for someone to kind of serve you in that way and make it in that way often with very pretty um you know ceramics as well so it's very linked to ceramics and it's very vi vi visually very attractive as well. So yeah. it just is a session that can make you really feel good, I think. And so it's linked to well-being, I think, for me as well. So Yeah, that's what I'm finding very interesting about this conversation is the many layers, if I could say, that tea has. Um, because some aspects that you're you're mentioning some aspects that had that I had never thought of for example you know going to a restaurant and instead of drinking a red wine with your meat you know thinking mm. of oh what type of tea could I drink with my with my meat or you know for example white wine for fish those type of things um that I never thought about the fact that tea could be a replacement for alcohol like wine in that case or like you were saying the social interactions around tea it's true that if you're not too much of a tea geek, you know, maybe you don't really think of these aspects, but I find them very interesting because you can see also how tea links with wellness. So that was also one topic that we were going to address in this in this episode. And I definitely think that um, it's great that we, we mentioned that because in the podcast, I always try also to link the episodes with wellness because... I think that's a very um, important thing to do. And like you said, uh, tea can strengthen social interactions and you really you already explained how. And I was wondering also if you want to talk a little bit more about the benefits of consuming tea when it, when it comes to, you know, learning to slow down and contemplate on yourself. You explained already that for you, it's a moment where, you know, you can just relax and uh, take a moment for yourself so how can tea help us slow down you know when we have a busy life and help us contemplate on on ourselves mm. it's a wonderful question I think um and you know I, I, I know a lady who um as an example uh in America her name is Zeus 
and her, she she's I think her company's called, her tea company's called Being Tea. But and anyway, she does uh, tea and contemplation, literally. And so she will actually be online a session every week where people can join her with their tea, and they can maybe be happy to talk and be part of it, but also happy to not not talk and very much be quiet, be, be a quiet member of that little circle. And Sue's just prepares tea. And all she does, she's talking about, this is the tea that I'm making today. And, and this is, this is, this, these are the, you know, ceramics I'm making, I'm using today. And she talks everyone through what she does. And, and it's like, um, it's just, it's, it's actually a really lovely introduction, something like that. And there are quite probably many, it's just one example. And I think it's wonderful that this is happening online now as well, now that we can't really travel so easily to places. But um, it's, a, it's a wonderful example for someone maybe to be introduced to, to that when they haven't really come across, um, you know, using tea for well-being in their own lives because it's so so suitable for that um we we have a lot of people have very busy lives quite a bit of stress but also with COVID I personally feel there's a lot of reflection there's a lot of pressure on okay how do I possibly change my life or what does this whole COVID mean for my life will I change will I not will what will you know so how do people change around us I think I think I think COVID has been so strange for everyone that it's it's a it's a good example for considering you know what how, where are my strengths and where am I where's my well-being where's my what's what's how's my mental health doing how robust am I day to day and what could I be using to to help me with that and tea I think fine tea is one very very good example of 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 something you could use so why I think that is so there's the actual tea there's, there's, there's the tasting and drinking, a very delicious uh, uh, drink. Then there's also the, the cultural aspect to that. When you learn a little bit about tea, you understand and respect tea makers who have made this tea for you. And you're linked literally to hundreds and thousands of years of, of people using this beautiful plant so that you're linked to all these all these all these people these mm -hmm. makers so even if you sit by yourself with with some with some tea some fine tea you have that you know you have that you learn that respect I think learning respect for other people and makers, I think you learn respect for yourself then as well. I think I think there's so much to that. Um, and also with fine tea comes, what do you drink it in? So you're starting to consider tea equipment, you know, tea cups. 
you'd starting to to consider how do I brew my tea and um, ceramic makers you know there's lots of ceramic makers across the world that make tea equipment and again have their own culture so the tea equipment across the world varies in in how it looks and how it's made so again that's something so so your well-being is also influenced so that there's the taste of the tea there's the respect but there's also then the visual side you know you did mm-hmm. just even using beautiful bits of ceramics um and and just actually so when, once once you've got that and once you introduce that in in your day it's amazing how you you know you slow down a little bit as you introduce it into your day because it's like a special space and often people then have little tea mats so literally it's also a little kind of location of specialness a little square in your flat or in your house and then some some tea drinkers also take their tea outside and love nature and get some fresh air and reflect outside and nature with their tea and um so 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 tea can mean quite a lot to people and it can actually become very much a a mechanism and a helper for slowing down for reflection for um yeah yeah contemplation um it's also linked to writing and poetry and and yes. so, so it's it's linked to yoga and you know and these kind of things. So it's it's um it's a uh, and also maybe one more thing which is very very important. I think I'm I'm very lucky that I don't have social anxiety, but a lot of people have social anxiety, and also in my own family, I know people who have social anxiety, and I feel tea and tea serving and tea together, even online or in in person, allows you to kind of focus on the equipment and the tea and maybe a little bit not on on yourself and on your your own anxiety. It's like perfect, you know, you sit together and you talk, you you have a topic to talk about, to focus on and, um, so, so I, I think I think for people with social anxiety, I have I have experienced that in a very beautiful way that it can be a great helper. So, for, for me, tea has a lot to offer, um, and and you know I would encourage people to to try it out because it's kind of very gentle, but it's beautiful to introduce it in your life. What what you mentioned, I think, is that it's important to have a holistic view you know on how you consume tea so it's about the equipment like you're explaining the space you take to consume your tea the social relations um, that are linked with tea and I think that that's very interesting and that was also going to be one of my my questions um, because like you mentioned tea can be good for people who have anxiety or just very busy lives and who might need um, to take a moment, you know, to reflect on their lives and everything. So I was going to ask you actually how one should consume tea, but you already kind of answered my question because 
you know, I guess it's not just about uh, coming back from work and then taking a cup, like a random cup, and then drinking your tea in front of the TV, then I guess that doesn't really, you know, impact you a lot. But yeah, so I thought that could have been a good question for anyone, you know, listening to this episode and maybe suffers from anxiety or anything else and thinks, okay, I want to start drinking tea. Maybe it can help me. You know, a lot of people who have anxiety or other mental health um, issues or just that are very stressed, we recommend them to do some yoga, meditation and anything like that. And I think the benefits of yoga and meditation are very similar to the benefits of drinking tea, if I understand what you're saying. So I was just wondering, since it's not something that we talk a lot about, uh, drinking tea for um, taking a time for reflection, what would you advise then maybe to someone listening to this episode and thinking, okay, I might try this, uh, this then? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, I think it's a mix of two things. So one is, in a way, you've got to find your own style of what you're happy with. Um, but also the second part is, it's quite nice to maybe at least one time in the beginning to be introduced to it so you could you find online i'm sure and, and maybe i should i should start this, this up as well because many people ask you know just 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 find some some place that where they maybe online on a regular basis drink tea just a just a very casual circle of tea drinkers or someone who who, who offers that and um, and you see them doing it and actually it is, I wouldn't want to see or don't have the telly on and things like that. But actually, if if you want to, it, it is, it's a bit like yoga, you wouldn't put the telly on. Well, maybe some people do, but, <laughs> but it, it's a bit like um, uh, you, the, the idea is really as you brew the tea, that that is your focus. And as you get as you as you get used to the brewing in the beginning, of course, the first few times you do think about, oh gosh, okay, how do I okay, how hot is the water for the green tea or for the white tea and and all of that. As you learn, you, your focus is on that, and um, and how do you use the equipment and things like that, and what are the kind of rules and what 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 shall I use for this particular tea? So. This is the focus initially as you learn about it. But as you become better and better, and you do it automatically, like driving, for example, you, your, your mind then has a perfect opportunity to wander. And you do it, you do your, your, your lovely, you know, your, your, your pr- preparation of the tea, and your mind wanders, and there's this respect for the tea, there's this interest of if you have a particular tea that you've opened up on that day, there's this interest, oh, I wonder what that will, you know, the, the new long jing, for example, from China in, in springtime, there, there, there's variations each year. So you may be really interested in the, the, the long jing in 2021. So what does it taste like compared to the one before previous year? So, so, so you have the respect for the tea. Um, and 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 so I think as that journey develops, you develop a little bit with 
with with your tea drinking and that's the beauty of it it won't won't be the same in the beginning and after a few months you have carved out this little bit may it be 10 minutes maybe half an hour of your day or of your week this kind of time where you know you can enjoy a taste have respect for the maker, have interest in this particular product, but also have a little bit of contemplation, a bit of reflecting on your week. And sometimes you feel maybe very nourished afterwards. I sometimes feel very nourished afterwards. Sometimes you may feel like joining others online or, or, and, and, and that can be very nourishing. So I think, Anyone who wants to start, I would say, um, I would say, you know, look, maybe, maybe get try and try and try and join in the beginning, just so that you can see how others do it, and you will then find and develop your own way. And you also maybe make some, will make right away some really nice friends or people who also, you know, enjoy tea and and. Um, and uh, and that's a beautiful starting point. Yeah, but I can definitely imagine how drinking tea can can help because I mean I'm definitely not an expert on on meditation, but if I'm not wrong, a lot of times um, meditation is about you know also focusing on some parts of your body, you know, on your breathing, on the sensation that you have maybe in your hands, uh, like in your entire body. Oh, if I may say, yeah, for some people, it might be hard sometimes meditation because they might struggle really to um, focus on these different aspects of their body and take the time to, yeah. to reflect. But I feel like with tea, it might be easier because like you say, you can smell the tea, then you focus on your smell, you can taste yeah. it, then you focus on, okay, what do I feel in my mouth right now? Um, like you yeah. say, it might be cold, it might be warm. Like you can literally feel the 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 the, the tea, you know, in your in your yes. body. So I feel like it might be easier for some people that maybe struggle with meditation. It's another alternative that could that could help. I think that's a great point, Nina. I think that's a great point, and that that reminds me of a, a, a chap, a lovely chap, um, ceramicist in America. Um, his name is Shiloh, um, and he he actually does. Um, he welcomes people to classes where he considers the, what does he call it? He calls it somatic experience. So it's mm -hmm. basically, but you know, it's, it's, it's basically, it's the idea that tea can give you different Ex different experiences in your body and and that only makes sense you can get relaxing tea you can get energizing tea so that's totally linked to what you said i mean if you have problems with or find it hard to meditate or to kind of de-stress or to, to just take your mind off your your all the, the busy thoughts that you have it's one way of maybe just drinking tea and, and just being allowed to just look at okay how does it affect my body and you will realize that it has quite an impact on your body actually but but it, you're, you're right it may ease you into like a more of a meditative process you know mm -hmm. because you're then allowed to 
focus on the one on the one thing and that is you know how does this affect my body and 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 by by doing that you do kind of slow down a little bit you focus you stop worrying about all the other things that you had to think about during the day so yeah it's it's perfect and that that's a really good point that you've made yeah yeah I mean for me also that's a very important topic because I'm an anxious person so I can imagine myself you know drinking the, the tea and that how and how that could help me so that's why it's also a, a topic that I'm very interested about because um yeah I can see the the, the benefits that it can have so Again, I already mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but this whole conversation definitely motivates me, you know, to know more about tea and to consume uh, more more tea, more also quality tea, because uh, like we already explained, it's not just about the tea, but also where it comes from, uh, the soil in which it was grown. Um, and that's an aspect that we haven't really mentioned yet, but that's really important. So I think it would be nice if we talk about that now a little bit about um, how to grow tea and be respectful of, of the environment. And you mentioned actually on your, on your website uh, the different types of farming, so biodiversity farming, organic farming, and natural farming. But mm. it's true that it can be hard to know the difference between all these. So can you maybe explain what the differences are and how you, yeah, how you grow tea? Uh, your yourself in, in terms of uh, the ecosystem mm. a lot of tea is grown with with you know using the use of pesticides and a lot of artificial fertilizer because of, i guess over many years that's how large-scale tea managed to produce all the high yield and and just just to get the volume okay so so but if, if you're interested in more of a chemical-free, more gentler on nature and um, on natural farming, then, then it's, you know, it's, it's a wonderful topic to, to explore. And there are these different approaches, as you say. So, for yeah. example, briefly, um, organic farming just basically means it's it, that you have the absence of, of of chemicals it can still be fairly monoculture based but it's more of the absence of chemicals um, and also a consideration about the health of the soil is very important in organic farming um, biodynamic farming is literally is well it comes from Rudolf Steiner which uh, he, he he did a lot of writing a kind of 100 110 10 years ago or so um, and he he talked a lot about um, making different preparations um, to to help our our plant our crops so basically the idea is, using plants to nourish and protect plants. So you make preparations out of plants, for example, the chamomile, horsetail, nettle is very important in his writing. You may you use those plants to basically nourish and protect your crop. 
So that's that's one of the main points with biodynamic farming. It's very interesting farming, quite a lot of additional work and preparation and 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 um and then there's permaculture, which is also a very fascinating, um, I think, approach. It looks really at many different parts. It also looks how the layout of your growing space looks at reuse, recycling, it looks at composting, it looks a little bit at the human well-being within the growing space as well. So it's it's very interesting. And all of these these um, approaches overlap a little bit, but they also have 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 differences. Natural farming is also very interesting. And it's really the idea that over the years you do less and less. You, it's the idea that the, the natural interactions of your ecosystem are perfect. So, and any intervention should be really thought about and considered very carefully because, um, because really a, a natural, healthy, functioning ecosystem is the best you can do without your, your, your human intervention. Um, and it's very interesting. I mean, natural farming, you get uh, kind of also newer ideas um, and understanding of uh, soil and um, uh, mycorrhizae. I'm super interested in mycorrhizae, which is a fung fungal systems in the soil that are partners to plants. And over 80% of all plants across the world um, have, have these partners and develop these partners in the soil and they work in, uh, in a symbiotic way. So the, the, so the fungal system uh, reaches nutrients, basically gives it to the plant and the plant in return gives, gives sugars to the, to the fungi, which is hugely fascinating, which means that the plant itself can reach further, you know, much further than the actual, just their, their own root system. So, of course, if you think about then spraying with pesticides and, and fungicides, of course, you, you interfere with this system that's perfectly working, you know, by itself. So, so it's, it, these, these are hugely interesting topics. And, and, you know, as a grower, very, very important to consider and to, to, to learn about, as, I think, as well. Um, soil is not just kind of the brown stuff. It's just so, so complex. And I think to some extent, you know, the majority of us who haven't learned it at uni, the majority of us who've just done school biology, We've, we've got a, a quite a simplistic idea of what soil is. And only if you literally dig deeper, uh, you've got, you, you, you can learn how complex soil is and how soil can help you with your plants. Um, so yeah, so, so I don't know if that's really, um, if, I've, if I've answered the, the question, but really, I guess what I want to say with that is that there are a number of kind of, approaches for growers that are chemical free that 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 we can learn about and we can we can use if we want to work a little bit more along you know 
together with with nature to create a, um, a, a healthy ecosystem. But also, I guess, you know, the less chemicals we use, the more healthy, of course, I mean, by definition, and, and I, I hope I'm not saying anything controversial here, but, you know, but the healthier it is, the product that we're actually consuming and eating, because it's much less likely that it includes chemicals and that we put in our body. So that just only makes sense, you know, to, to think of it like that. So, so yeah, my, my interest is, is, is very much in exploring and understanding more and more, not being at a standstill myself as a grower, but really keep, you know, pushing myself with that and because uh, there's so much to learn. Yeah, I mean, actually when I, my first year of university i remember we had a a week that was dedicated to to soil so the entire mm-hmm. week we just learned about soil i mean i have to be honest i don't remember that much actually it was uh, three years mm-hmm. ago i think now but i can definitely imagine that soil is a very it's very complex and i think you know people have a fair idea about People have a good idea about um, why, of course, soil is is complex, but we tend to maybe, I don't know how to explain this, but we tend to, you know, not really give too much importance to to soil, I guess, on our, on our daisy, daily life. That's not really what we focus more, more, most on, but I can imagine that as a grower, obviously, it's a, it's a big part of your work also to understand more about about the soil and also about you know the organisms and the animals of course that 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 live in it so yeah i'm sure that you could talk a lot about a lot about it and why why it's important but that's why i wanted to really focus a little bit in this episode about the this topic because i know that it's an important part of your of your work and that for Mm -hmm. you it's very important to respect the environment because while doing so you're not just of course respecting the environment but also like you mentioned, it's a healthier option, right? So it's also in terms of respect for the, the the clients, the people that buy your tea, or just for you as a as a tea consumer. So it's mm-hmm. I can imagine why it's such a big aspect of your work. Yeah. And what people maybe don't know, I didn't know this, Nina, is that if you use certain fertilizers, artificial fertilizers, you actually influence the taste of the product mm-hmm, so some teas some teas that we drink the the taste of the tea is actually directly linked to the to the to the fertilizer use so it's it's very interesting and i don't know if you know the uh the the idea of umami yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. So umami is can be created very strongly with certain certain artificial fertilizers. So it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, do we taste what we think is we taste a certain plant? Well, we said to tea, tea, but we actually taste the, the use fertilizer. Yeah, I find it really fascinating. I didn't know this before I was in tea, and 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 now I I, I understand that much better. Yeah, no, that's crazy. But you would imagine that fertilizer has more of a bad taste, no, rather than a... well, yeah, it's not, it's not, well, not necessarily, you know. Um, but also, 
even if you go, go if, even if you um, look into uh, more natural fertilizer, let's say natural material, um, if if there's a tea when there's a tea grower living more on the coast using seaweed, for example, mm -hmm. in their compost or around your tea plants to, to, to nourish or so, then you would, I mean, those teas, if you have a good palate, you will actually taste the seaweed or the sea. Hmm. It's a little bit more salty. It's a bit more, when I say fishy, it doesn't sound that great actually, but you know, tea that tastes fishy, but you know what I mean? There's a little hint of yeah. sea side um to to your tea and and yeah. that is because you're using that is because you're close to that seaweed you're close you have that air there so it does come through in your plant and therefore it comes through in your tea yeah yeah so that's the scent you know whatever the chemicals or the fertilizer used it makes total sense because the plant does soak that up and then it of course reaches the leaves and it, it has an impact on the taste yeah that's unfortunately something that you lose a bit though when you consume products that you just find at supermarkets you know that you don't really know where they come from so I definitely understand why um, it's good also to consume locally so you don't lose that that aspect you know and uh, not just with tea but with any any vegetable any fruit you know any any product like that so yeah, but it's true that I had never thought about fertilizers and how much they can impact your your taste. I had more the simplistic view, you know, fertilizers equals bad, and that's pretty much it. But but yeah, it's it's much more complex than that. And you did you learn all this actually by just doing your own research, or how did you learn so much about um, all these processes and uh, how did you gain your your knowledge? it's a good question yeah it's it probably well it's very very much a combination like a lot of makers I think and other products as well so it's your own research it's sometimes a little bit of formal education sometimes also other makers very kindly help you so there's like a sense of a you know apprenticeship mm -hmm. where you learn um the 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 craft from from other makers, established makers that you trust, and um, of course there's books and um, and then if you're interested as a tea maker, for example, in natural growing, then uh, you tend to develop those links, you know, to other natural growers, and you learn a lot from each other. Um, so I think, yeah, learning, learning uh, has, has come to me many different directions. And, I've, um, and I'm, I'm a strong believer of definitely, you know, lifelong learning and, 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 and to keep pushing yourself as well and not be at a standstill and, and stay fresh in your practice. And I think it's really, really important. And in tea, I mean, in tea, there's so much to tea that I mean I definitely will learn all my life and um, that won't be um, won't won't stop in my life you know there's so much to learn and um, there's one there's a lovely book it's just 
a, a wonderful example, these 950 pages, The Tale of Tea um, by George Van Drim. Why I like it is because it tells you, it shows you how rich the world of, of tea is and it gives examples, for example, in Vietnam, you know, hundreds of years ago, they used the tea plant for um, also food preparation. And, um, and uh, for example, they made, they made uh, dishes, they made food using tea and storing it in, in the ground, maybe for months and months, and then taking it out and it was preserved, it was used for food. So, so tea, the tea plant wasn't always used just to make this beautiful drink. It also was used in other, other ways, you know, of communities, traditional communities used, used this beautiful tea plant in, um, in a number of different ways. And it, it, that book is just an, a good example of this very rich history of the use of that, of, of that, of that plant. Also, a lot of people, you know, are used to those images of tea, nicely manicured looking, of course, perfectly pruned in long rows. But actually, you know, that the, the, if, you, if you let a tea plant just grow, then it, it, it grows into a tree so that, so the wild tea plant, Camellia sinensis, would, would grow into, into a tree. Um, and actually the reason why it, it started to be pruned was because it's easier to harvest, but also because the yield is increased. So the, the plant will produce more leaves. So that's why we prune it and it gets really bushy and it produces a lot of leaves. If you allow it to grow into a tree, you get less and it's also harder to, to reach, you know, the, the, the new leaves each year. So, so, so all of that is, is such a rich, rich history for me. And um, I find that hugely, hugely interesting that there's so much to, to, to this topic tea. Yeah, I can definitely uh, hear that um, there's a lot to, to learn and that you'll never stop learning about, you'll never stop learning about tea. And you mentioned several times during this episode, you know, the importance also of um, knowing about the history of tea and respecting the, the traditions. So I think, you know, that's also important in other topics than, ju than just tea. But I mean, also tea ties in with, you know, tourism also, right? And I can imagine that when you visit a new country, one of your interests would also get to would also be to get to know more about uh, how they process tea, the types of tea that they have. And I think that also sounds very interesting to, you know, I don't know if you can call it like tea tourism, but <laughs> learning mm. about tea when, when you travel. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. And it's a little bit of a shame again with COVID that that, that has changed. Um, quite a bit that the tea tourism because tea people used to enjoy traveling quite a bit and 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 uh, visiting different tea gardens um 
And there were little mini kind of companies or individuals who specialized purely in that and in, in taking small groups of people who are interested in tea to, to tea growing areas, you know, or Jap uh, Japan visit or tai Taiwan visit, Korea. And, and that is very much not happening just now. Um, that's, it's, it's, it's very difficult now. But yes, tea travel is hugely interesting because as, as you see how tea is made and, um, and how the maker lives and what types of tea they make and um, how they enjoy it, how they drink it, all of that, it's, it you know, varies. And it's really, really interesting to see in Northern Vietnam compared to uh, like, for example, in northern Vietnam, there's a beautiful uh, tea that is made there. Um, they make black tea, and then they also harvest lotus flowers. And they put the lotus flowers in, in, a, um, in kind of some a cotton natural material and put the lotus flowers and store it with the black tea and, and close it off for a number of months. And then you have, and then the, the lotus flowers are taken out again. So you only have the black tea that you, you serve, but the black tea, of course, has the strong aroma of the lotus flowers. And um, it's a wonderful tradition there. It only needs a very, very short brew because it's actually quite strong in flavor, almost medicinal. Mm. Um, and I, and I love it. I mean, it's a wonderful tradition. So, so, you know, going there and visiting there and seeing how they make it, it would be already such a wonderful opportunity to someone who's into tea. But then going to Taiwan and seeing how they make oolong tea and how they drink oolong tea, which is a very, very distinct flavor profile. Again, so, so hugely interesting. So yeah, tea tourism, and tea traveling um, is, 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 has always been a big part of, of, of kind of, of, of people's lives who are interested in tea, but now it's, it's much more difficult, you know, for the last mm -hmm. couple of years, it's been really difficult. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I guess, what, like you were saying, a big part of your learning is about seeing what others do and what the others culture around tea are so i can definitely understand why it would be you know complicated to not have this opportunity anymore to to travel and discover more you know because it's a way to feed your curiosity then i would imagine that it gives you a little more time to reflect on on your work maybe and uh, on on your on your farm i mean that's the thing with covid right that for a lot of people since they could not travel then they were forced kind of to examine you kind of mentioned that earlier actually to examine what they're doing um in their life in their environment and yeah it's a way of forcing yourself to be more present maybe i would say yes I think I agree with you there. It's been a different time and it, it has been a great opportunity to focus more on your own, what you're doing, what you want to achieve, you know, what you want to learn from it, how you may want to change, all of those questions. And also what you say, said before, Nina, is very true. It's just also enjoying a little bit what's available locally 
and for us also you know visiting you could still visit maybe other tea growers within Europe as well so going a little bit not so far as well um so yeah so um that that's these are these are really important points as well um um yeah yeah definitely definitely I think just appreciating a little bit more what's what's nearby on or, or you know within a, a, a few hundred miles away and not and not always feel like you've got to go to the other side of the of the um of of the earth I guess yeah 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 because of course it's very interesting to to travel but I guess sometimes the I don't know if you can say the the mistake but the 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 trap would be to just focus on what you don't have you know and what you could discover and not what's around you in your surroundings yeah mm-hmm. that's very true that's very true and of course also travel you know if you look at climate change and you want to think a little bit more about you know not not flying that much i mean um to some of those traditional tea growing areas it's there's not a lot of alternative, although I would love, love, love to have the time to take the train all the way from Scotland to China. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think that would take me several months, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, I would love to just visit all the tea growing areas along the way. But but that's maybe something in a, in a few years time, if it's possible to do and take the train and not the plane. But yeah, so in, with that in mind as well, for those who are, live within Europe, you could also, if you want to avoid flying or you want or you want to do less of it, you could also do quite a bit by train if, if that's important to you, you know, then that's very doable. And there are quite a, a, quite a number of beautiful projects across Europe to visit now. There's... Um, Denis and Wesi Maserol and, and um, in France, right next to the Atlantic in Brittany there, they have a wonderful organic tea garden there. There is, um, there's Nina um, in Portugal. She she's, uh, has a biodynamic uh, tea garden, makes beautiful green teas. So there's there's a lot, a number of wonderful projects to to visit just just in Europe as well. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good to know. <laughs> that's for sure good to know. And I think we're coming now to an end of the of this episode. We talked about various topics, really. Um, what I think is very important to remember are all the environmental aspects, but also the well-being aspects. The um, social interactions that can be strengthened with the tea drinking and of obviously um, your job as a tea grower was also um, an important point you know to to address in, in this episode so I'm very happy to have done the, this episode because I learned a lot and I definitely feel like now I have more knowledge on uh, on the process of, of tea making, but also tea drinking. Um, because yeah, this episode is not just, you know, for tea growers who would like to know more about what it's like to grow tea, but just for tea consumers, whether you are already advanced or more of a beginner. 
Um, mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking more, of course, of all the well-being aspects that that we that we talked about. So that's why I think this this episode was was very rich, and I'm very happy to to have done it. I'm sure if I learned something, that uh, other people will also learn from this. So again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation and to share your expertise also with the with the listeners. Oh, Nina, you've been a pleasure. It's it's, it's been so nice to get to know you and um thank you for having me and i'm so pleased to share my love for tea and if people want to get in touch please do you know my, via my instagram or, or via my email or you know yeah. you can maybe make that if available with your episode and yes it's it's It's, it's been really lovely this kind of hour or so with you and um, yeah really thank you Nina you, you're, a, you're a wonderful podcaster actually you made it super easy for me <laughs> thank you thank you that's very nice to hear I mean I started this podcast in February so I still consider myself a baby podcaster if we can say yeah and you know it's not easy every day to reflect on yourself and know if what you're doing is right or wrong or what you can improve so it's definitely great to to hear that and I think the most important thing I mean that's the concept of my podcast right to share the passions of others so I was going to say the most important thing is always to do things with passion and I can definitely see um, you know it's obvious that you have a love for tea and that you're very passionate so I'm very glad that you shared this passion with, with us today so that's all about the podcast it's uh, passions and you know just uh, learning so I think uh, it was very great to, to have you on the podcast. And if you just want to mention maybe what your Instagram is so that people can find you yes, easily. Yes, yes, yes. So it's Windy Hollow Farm with an underscore. There's mm -hmm. another Windy Hollow Farm actually in America, but that's really? not me. But they look <laughs> lovely too. But so it's Windy Hollow Farm underscore. That's me. And you can see me right away waving at you probably. <laughs> When you when you when you find me on Instagram, so that's kind of most probably on Instagram is where you see most of my you know up to date work and lots of visual stuff of what I do. Um, but you can also get get me uh, via my email, and that's Monica with a C at um, windyhollowfarm.co.uk. If you want to email me, you're very welcome. And it'll be lovely to hear from you and um yeah and 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 lovely to, lovely to to see you nina and maybe maybe we should share a tea together sometime that would be wonderful wouldn't it we'll share a proper tea together i'll send you tea i must send you tea and then online we can share we can we can try it out together that would be nice wouldn't it Yeah, I mean, I was about to to ask you actually um, if there is any way to um, get some of your tea because I'm very curious now. You know, we talked so much about uh, yes, tea, so yeah. I feel like it would be great to 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 try some. So, if of yeah. course I I don't know if right now you have um, you're selling some tea or not, but I would definitely be happy to to try some of it and um, yeah. <laughs> Yes, today is the last day of the season, mm -hmm. last time I make tea, and today I will make some um, 
uh, tea cakes, which okay. maybe sounds very uh, unusual to someone who doesn't know a lot about uh, um, tea cakes. But tea cakes are basically a type of tea that is stored for one, two or three years or, or longer. But in my case, one, two or three years. And uh, basically it develops, it, deve it develops a richer, more complex aroma and taste throughout those couple of years. So that's why why you why tea cakes are made. But they can make and they can be made in a more of a greener style or more of a black style. So darker, darker uh, cake style. So so yeah, and then you brew them in a similar way, you then break them up. I sometimes use a special um tea knife, break it up and, and you can brew it as well. We okay. sometimes Boil, boil uh, sometimes hot water, almost 100, or, um, or sometimes if it's more on the greener side, the guidance may be just to go for 85 or 90. So, yeah, but that's a whole different topic the water with tea and you know the geekiness of, of temperature with tea brewing maybe that's for a different episode <laughs> but yeah, yeah but no it's been a pleasure Nina a real pleasure and we must have some tea together and stay in touch and and yeah it's, thank you so much for having me yeah I would definitely like to to stay in touch you have my email anytime you have some um some tea i would be happy to to try it to to i'm curious to know what it what it tastes like and now i'm definitely also i want to know more about the the tea world so that would be a pleasure for me i send you some <laughs> well thank you very much again and of course the podcast uh, the instagram sorry of the podcast is also the live they live underscore podcast and on there i'll share more content about the this episode so um, that's also a great way to follow more about the the episode before it's published and still after it's published and i will also share your instagram monica on my instagram and i'm sure then if anyone has questions uh, you can ask me or monica and we would be happy to to answer them so then i will see you in the next episode and thank you again monica for being on this podcast bye bye bye